Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how's it going? I'm doing good, Henry. How are you? Doing all right. I am hanging in there. It, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while, but we are back. Today is July 25th, 2020. And yeah, it's been a good five months or so since uh, our last episode. And a whole lot has happened <laughs> in hey. those five months, yeah? Yeah, a whole lot. A lot changes in those five months, but the world has turned upside down. Yeah, you said it. A lot has happened, not just uh, locally, but globally, certainly. Um, and uh, we don't want to make this episode a all coronavirus, all COVID-19 episode. But um, it's been such a long time. I think it behooves us to just kind of check in and see what we've been up to. What have you yeah. been up to in the last five months, Perfirio? Uh, let's see. I've been reading more comics. I, um, I yeah, I read Spider-Man 2099. That was the latest one I just read. Oh. Um, making art, stuff like that. Making some costumes for, like, comic cons that I could uh, attend to in the future. Someday. Yeah, someday. A lot of Netflix, oh. I will say that. Not a lot of Netflix, is that right? A lot, yeah. Yeah, very cool. And yeah, I have uh, seen some of your cosplay posts, and uh, they are quite excellent, I have to say. <laughs> Thank well you. Done. <laughs> uh-huh. And um, yeah, you know, your experience sounds similar to my experience, and amongst the comic geek community i'm sure uh there are a lot of similarities and parallels because uh yeah i've been reading comics i've been watching tv watching a lot of movies on tv Mm -hmm. and um doing that whole thing um yeah you mentioned that spider-man 2099 i read a really good spider-man comic i've been reading a lot of spider-man in general Mm -hmm. but um in particular, the Red Goblin series, I highly recommend. Oh, that, that one's new, right? That one just came out like last year? Or? It's newish. It's 2018. Okay. And I think I touched upon it in a past episode. I had read just one issue, Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man 800. Mm-hmm. And I really praised it. But um, the Red Goblin series is essentially uh, the whole story arc leading up to Amazing Spider-Man 800. And yeah, it's great. I think um, like reading issue 800 alone was cool, but mm-hmm. definitely even better getting the whole backstory, the lead up to it. And uh, yeah, the writers danced a lot on that. And I thought he did a phenomenal job. Highly recommend that series. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I did also want to mention that uh, the film Scott Pilgrim versus the world 
has just recently celebrated its 10-year anniversary. And um, they did a, a reunion table read for that. Mm-hmm. And that blew my mind, man. Uh, so this is one of my all-time favorite movies. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. And they really did something pretty special with this table read. It wasn't just like a Zoom session where they read the script. They mm-hmm. did live art from the original creator. There were musical performances. There was uh, just a lot of cool shit. Just leave it at that, you know? Uh, so yeah, th- that's on YouTube. So um, highly recommend checking that out as well. I've definitely watched a few of those kind of reunion stuff. Like I watched, they did like a Parks and Recs reunion episode. Oh, I heard about that, yeah. That one was really good. Um, yeah, they did like you, you like a Zoom kind of style thing where mm-hmm. all the actors kind of check up, checked up on each other, and it wasn't like so much like a script reading, but like an actual episode over Zoom, which was I thought really genius, and the characters were really true to themselves, and I'd like that. And then I also saw a Lord of the Rings reunion panel. Um, oh, cool! Did, did you watch? Did you catch that one? I did not. I have been noticing a lot of these reunion Zoom sessions popping up, though. <laughs> and when I first heard about it, I I thought they would be kind of weak. But, um, yeah, I checked out that Scott Pilgrim one, and it was so awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely a little more keen on these, for sure. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's a whole other topic for another episode, like virtual cons and all these reunion stuff yeah could be and speaking of which today this very episode we're doing our first ever zoom session recording so previously we've always been in the same room right so this is new territory for us it's kind of odd but uh you know we are zoomed in and mic'd up uh so yeah how are you and feeling we're socially about this distant. socially distant yes <laughs> how are you feeling about this new setup perfurio it's definitely fun i mean i'm no stranger to i've done pretty like a few like for my internship with my radio station i've done a few interviews online and it's weird mm-hmm. it's but it's it's fun and exciting so this is awesome and i'm so glad we're getting to start this up again especially with everything happening like in the past few months i feel like there's just so much we had we should have talked about like months (laughs) ago but i'm so glad you were like you messaged me you're like hey let's you want to restart the podcast again i was like yes (laughs) i have a lot to say that's great same here yeah i think uh Myself and, you know, maybe a lot of us around the world feel like or felt like early in the pandemic, like uh, just kind of going into a cave and hiding for a bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, recently I just felt like, you know, know, I'm still stuck at home all the time. So wouldn't it be great to be able to do something different, some sort of creative endeavor, and then 
the thought popped in the head that hey you know we could we could do the podcast through zoom you know we got the mics and everything so yeah Mm -hmm. uh i messaged you and pretty happy to hear that you were stoked about it so Mm -hmm. here we are we're back yay (laughs) okay so yeah we're both uh pretty excited to be back recording and you would think that after this long hiatus that we might uh go with a light and fluffy topic maybe something fun maybe something a little escapist but no we decided to go deep and thoughtful today yeah today we're going to talk about police and superheroes specifically police oppression which is a big topic in the world right now and um this begs the question why the hell are we talking about police oppression on a comic book podcast right Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) why are we doing this um yeah perfurio maybe you can give a little bit of background on uh, our topic today yeah for sure so like you know we're like you were saying we're both geeks we love everything geeky and stuff so yeah why are we talking about the police it's because there are police i guess like um uh presence within even like comics and stuff and um there's just so much relevance that like as geeks that there's interest in that like um superheroes for example like when you look at what a superhero is they're someone who's supposed to be a symbol of good they're um they do whatever they can to protect people and save people similar to the police right and with everything going on with all the protests and everything like you police stations police um, departments throughout the nation have been like restructured reformed about um budget cuts how they're going to moving forward with different policies of apprehending people and stuff like that like that's some change and so if we're taking like if we're taking a look at a fictional sense like in our geeky minds like what about superheroes like if you look at media there's been shows that have acknowledged their fictional sense when it comes to police portrayal like cops for example they decided to cancel the show and other shows like brooklyn 99 and paw patrol have addressed like they want to like change how police are being portrayed in the show and stuff and so recently this time magazine um they released an article talking about like okay we talked about cops and everything what about superheroes which is very similar to cops and I had mixed feelings about this, but um, same here. It's it's a heavy load. Let me just <laughs> straight up say out there. I think it's really complicated, and it is. Um, yeah, do you want to take it from here, Henry? Like, where do you want to start? Yeah, yeah, that's a good little uh, intro there. Yeah, how I wanted to start was basically declaring that we're not a political podcast by any means right Mm -hmm. um we're not a political podcast and this is all 
again like fun fictional work to think about like yeah yeah our our focus has been more on the fun and fandom side of uh-huh. comics culture and um you know i think that should be stated because you know we're not really i don't know experts on this particular subject matter mm-hmm. but that is not to say that we as fans are free of any kind of responsibility or whatever. I mean, that's kind of a cop-out to say, oh, this is just about fandom. Uh, we could just say whatever crazy shit we want. No, that's like irresponsible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is worth noting that, uh, we're, you know, it's worth noting where we're coming from in exactly, this discussion, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's, from a, it's from a fandom point of view. Uh, which, is. which, you know, I think is worth noting too, because, um, you know, fandom in particular might take some of the these writings the wrong way. We'll, we'll get into it, uh, but um, I think I have a feeling that some comic fans were rubbed the wrong way uh, by some of this re- recent. Uh, uh, published material mm-hmm. that way, yeah. Um, but that's where we're coming from. We're coming from a fandom perspective, and we do want to be responsible f- fans. But I think first and foremost, we are fans. And interestingly, I think both of us are fandom, uh, like geek fandom fans. Uh, but we're also you know, heavily vested in social justice and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are progressive minded, you know, so mm-hmm. I think we kind of are in both camps in a way. So I don't know, I, I think our, our perspectives are, are definitely worthwhile, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting conversation for people like the two of us. Yeah. Right? Very okay. unique and different than anything <laughs> we've ever done before. There you go. We're special. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you already alluded to it, but yeah, there was a Time Magazine article on police and superheroes. More recently, there was a Polygon article that touches upon very similar subject matter. Mm -hmm. Again, police and superheroes. So the, the Time Magazine article is dated June 29th, 2020. It's titled, We're Reexamining how we portray cops on screen. Now it's time to talk about superheroes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the, the title alone is like potentially triggering for <laughs> comics fans, right? It's almost like written in a way to rile us up, right? Let's just, you know, let's just state that. But okay, uh, the Polygon article written very recently, this is July 23rd, 2020, and it's titled Five Ways to fix the policing problem in superhero stories. So again, a potentially triggering title, Um, but there we have it. These are the two articles we want to discuss a bit. Um, Yeah, just real quick. um, I have a quote from each article. Like we're not gonna read the whole article Mm -hmm. on the recording, but I think there were two two excerpts here that are um, worth 
repeating. Yeah. So in the time, in the time article, they state, what are superheroes except cops with capes who enact justice with their powers? Mm -hmm. And then uh, in the Polygon article, they state parallels between superheroes and police don't necessarily valorize police, but superhero stories do legitimize the function of police to punish people often without any oversight or accountability Mm -hmm. in the name of order. So there you have it. Um, Any initial thoughts about how you felt after reading these articles? It's, it's, um, I don't know. It, It was confusing how to feel like, like you said, we're both pretty progressive. We both want, I feel like, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but for me, definitely want police reform. But then looking back at like this like superhero reexamination, it's like superheroes were made to keep kind of in order to, to enact justice, to, to protect people and stuff, which is basically a cop. So the question like kind of remains like when when can you hold a superhero accountable for their actions like when it's like like the closest thing i could think of that i can help find examples like captain america civil war you know like yep. very opening scene scarlet witch she kind of uses her powers to um kind of like keep like crossbones from exploding but then she launches him in the air and then that causes a lot of casualties it's like she was trying to do the right thing she was trying to protect everybody for the greater good but end up like hurting and killing other people so should she be held accountable for her actions like she killed somebody yeah she was trying to do the right thing like how do you make how how can you decide what is the right thing in that situation you know yeah oh i totally thought of civil war especially in that polygon article like there's that excerpt i just read yeah i mentioned punishing people without oversight or accountability and those words sound like they're straight out of thunderbolt ross's mouth in the movie right he says almost the exact same thing yeah Uh, so pretty interesting like civil war definitely touches upon this subject material right yeah um but yeah a couple thoughts that i had after reading the articles first off the time article that got me kind of angry you know i read the part where it's basically equating superheroes to cops yeah and i i've never felt that way about superheroes i've always felt like superheroes were something else entirely like the presence of someone like batman or the punisher is there because of the ineptitude of the police right they exist because police are oppressive and corrupt you know so in from that perspective superheroes are definitely not the police i I've, i've really never felt like superheroes were just a an amped up version of the police you know yeah so, def- definitely you like yeah go ahead i was gonna say like that that's like the other part of like would being a superhero is you 
superheroes were made to do stuff that police can't do. Like, yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, like, vigilantes, I guess, like Spider-Man, Batman, like you said. Like, there's only so much police can do, you know, because they're so corrupt. They're, um, they don't want to do more than, I guess, like, than what the job provides. And superheroes, they... Yeah because they have that superpower, they go above and beyond to mm-hmm. check the smaller person, to track down the mob leader and stop the nuclear missile, whatever. Yeah. But yeah. No, but it, you mentioned Spider-Man also. That's an important one to mention because again, like Spider-Man wouldn't be necessary if police did their jobs correctly. Right. And, yeah. and um, in a way, Spider-Man is, doing what the police should be doing yeah like he, he's taking responsibility right he he doesn't kill people he always tries to do the right thing right mm-hmm. um so yeah i've always felt like superheroes are not the police at all so uh-huh. like almost right away that article turned me off but I will say this about the Polygon article, like that kind of connected with me a little more because they're saying, well, superheroes don't necessarily equal cops like that cut and dry. It's more like they're saying the stories that we see in superhero stories are, are what? They are like kind of what I just read. They are um, stories of superheroes punishing people without any oversight or accountability in the name of order. So they're, they're physical battles between good versus evil. And that mm-hmm. sort of mentality leads to, I don't know, the glorification of police. And mm-hmm. that kind of jived with me a little more, you know, like I was thinking, oh shit, you know, okay, maybe superheroes aren't necessarily the police per se, but, you know, as media consumers, we're being fed these stories over and over and over. So are we then becoming like, oh, of the mindset that we need people to do this? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and yeah, glorifying police, like thinking, mm-hmm. oh, we, we, need, we, we need protectors. We need people like this. Oh, superheroes don't exist. So mm-hmm. I guess cops will have to do this for us. I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm saying it seems like that's what this article is driving at. And I think that's kind of a more worthwhile discussion, right? I think there, there, a case can be made that, okay, these superhero stories that we see over and over, good versus evil, good overcoming evil to protect the innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, does that like lead to a mindset where like everyone consuming this media is like, becoming sheep and thinking, oh yes, we need protectors. Uh, mm-hmm. There are evil forces out there and we need something, you know, okay, police, okay, we just need something to help protect us. I'm helpless without these protectors, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's worth discussing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Now, what are you gonna say? So, yeah, I mean, that that's like that that's i think the 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 main gist of each article and i think we can kind of get into our takes uh-huh. you know on on the subject mm-hmm. you know um i don't know 
yeah. So with that context of, of, okay, on one hand, the time article is saying cops equal superheroes, which is kind of an extreme point of view. And the other article is saying, well, these superhero stories are perhaps not directly, but indirectly leading to the glorification of police. What are your thoughts then? Um, sorry, can you repeat it one more time? Okay, so it seems like the Time article is essentially saying cops equal superheroes. Yeah. And, you know, um, we're, al we're already seeing the canceling of, of police glorification media. Yeah. Therefore, we should also be seeing the cancellation of superhero media. Super okay. Right. Uh -huh. um, the Polygon article takes maybe a less extreme stance in that it's saying uh, superhero stories, perhaps not directly, but indirectly are leading to the mindset of the mm -hmm. glorification of police and it's something we should be mindful of. So mm. what do you think? I mean, like we were saying earlier, this is deep stuff. And it's yeah. It's, I, it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of out there, but I don't know. It, it's interesting. But what do you think? It's definitely a complicated topic to have an answer to. Like we look to heroes that we love, like Spider-Man, Iron Man, all these heroes because they protect people and stuff. And like, like you said, like we we're we're so drawn to that. Like this person comes and and saves the day, and we look for that good like good feeling ending. This protector, you know. Um, but then at the same time, there's other stories like Watchmen, Black Panther, and um the boys who kind of like re-examine those superhero stories about like, they kind of take it like a step deeper and just kind of like, like Watchmen, for example, the HBO series, not the Zack Snyder movie, but the HBO series about like, um, takes it really like a step further talking about like police brutality and stuff like that. And like racism within the police department and, and just like it, tells this like different kind of superhero story about like there are heroes but they're not what they seem like they're just they can be corrupt also they're they don't get accepted um even when they're trying to do the right thing and stuff like that so the best i don't know what's the best way to move forward of how to re-examine these characters um but I think talking about it is the first step, I guess, like how we're doing. But I don't know what a solution is, the best way to practice it or anything like that. Yeah, I do agree that a good approach on the subject matter is having a conversation like yeah. we're doing, you know. And um, I think that sort of thing is lacking, you know. A lot of times when this kind of stuff comes up, it becomes very divisive and it becomes very black and white, no gray mm -hmm. area. Like you're wrong, I'm right, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. So a better approach is just talking it through, right? Mm -hmm. um, I will say this too. I, I feel like maybe we're 
bashing these writings a bit. Um, I think the the uh, how do I say that the message behind these <clears throat> articles and the intention behind the, these articles is quite good because you know both of them are really advocating diversity, inclusion, yes. and representation mm-hmm. yeah. in superhero stories. And mm-hmm. I'm 100% on board with that. And, um, you know, they called out a lot of the stuff you just called out. You know, they mentioned Black Panther, Into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. uh, the new Watchmen TV show. Um, and, you know, I, I think we've talked quite a bit before about this stuff and how great it is and refreshing to see uh, this content, you know, that is, like yep. I said, diverse, inclusive, and representative of mm-hmm. underrepresented communities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't think uh, there's any question on our side that that's a positive, you know, we would love to see more of that. And these articles are totally supporting that. And again, I think the intention is great. The messaging, though, I think we've talked about some of this before, how intention is one thing, but the messaging is another. Yeah. And you know, the, 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 the article titles are like, I just, it's, it's pretty aggravating. You know, you can tell they're just trying to stir the pot. It's clickbait. It is clickbait. And that's kind of the world we live in, you know, Um, articles tend not to get read if they don't have clickbaity titles. Mm -hmm. So that's just the way it is. Um, But man, yeah, I just, got rubbed the wrong way uh, a bit on both of these, you know? Uh, yeah, I definitely understand, ways. yeah. Yeah, for the Time Magazine one, I was like, I understood where it was coming from. I definitely agreed, like, that we need more diversity and maybe possibly re-examine how superheroes are being portrayed um, versus, like, being held accountable to their actions and stuff like that. But the way it was delivered i just didn't agree with it how it was just like we need to like totally reform this and stuff and it's just like you know if you read any of this any of these like comic superhero stuff it they do have that like propaganda like protectors are needed but at the same time it kind of like there's like a message of like they protect protectors are needed for someone else who who when like the law or the justice system fails them you know yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so you know what i've been um i've been kind of driving the conversation i know you had some prepared stuff maybe we can get into some of the stuff you prepared i know you had some questions and some specific uh storylines that we could possibly cover you want to take it from there prefer you yeah, I mean, okay, so one, I think when this article was, <laughs> I remember, yeah, when I read this article, I, was, I like instantly thought of so many examples that I was like, no, like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Like, yeah. how we mentioned like Civil War. That was the first one that came to mind. Like, Civil War definitely taught, that was like the main theme about like, are they accountable to their actions? Like, there's Team Iron Man and Team Captain America. Um, which I, I I don't know if I ever asked you this. Which side are you on, Team Cap or Team Iron Man? Oh, Team Cap for sure. Team Cap was <laughs> I was Team Cap then, 
and still am now. Okay. Yeah. Good for you. Because <laughs> I remember, like, I was, at first I was, like, Team Cap, but then, again, like, I think it was, like, a year after the movie came out, I kind of was, like, you know, if I really do want, like, accountability with these, like, fictional um, figureheads, maybe I'm Team Iron Man. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it just, it, it, at least it got me thinking about it, you know, uh, like, this whole subject and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, um, so that was one example I thought of. Another one was Amazon's The Boys, which, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the show's about a group of superheroes that, um, you know, we live in a society where superheroes kind of, like, are the new police force and everything, but they're not, like, all cookie cutters, like a Captain America and everything. Like, there's definitely, they're human like us, so they... They're involved in sex scandals and murdering and taking bribery and stuff like yep. that. And then so they have their PR um, company come in, fix that all up with like some good publicity or some hush money and stuff like that. And that's very, very similar to like how the police departments in the U.S. work, you know, with everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. They think that they're the law so they could get away with a lot of things. So, yeah. Um, the yeah, the, the the superheroes and the boys are the police in America right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's the parallels are are kind of frightening, actually. Uh-huh. But yeah, they have way too much power, and they are doing a lot of terrible things. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, when I first saw that show, I I was really turned off by it because I was thinking like, oh man, I really want to watch a superhero show like like the Avengers and kicking ass and saving the day. But I was like, you know, this is an interesting, fresh take that I never thought of. Yeah. And then, yeah, the, of course, like superheroes, like just because someone has a superpower, you don't expect them to do, be good and stuff. They do the right thing. You know, they're human, I guess, as much as a regular person, because they still have, they still project the same emotions and train of thought and stuff like that. But um yeah there's there could definitely be corruption in them but again there's still some good because you the what was that one character in the boys who she wanted to be on the team to do good but she was like fuck this group they're, they're so bad and everything um do you know what I'm talking yeah. oh yeah i mean she's basically the central character of the show yeah yeah uh-huh. and she's almost like the equivalent of the one good cop in a completely corrupt police department right yeah exactly Uh yeah so yeah i know what you're saying a a lot of these examples that you thought of i thought of too and and it was almost like you know hey you know okay a lot of superhero storytelling is kind of this basic good versus evil sort of thing um but yeah more recently we're seeing a lot more diverse storytelling where they're actually tackling a lot of the issues brought up. Mm-hmm. You know, we keep going back to Civil War, but it, Civil War addresses a lot of the stuff that was covered in these writings. You know, we mentioned the whole, like, punishment without oversight. Um, but the ending of Civil War kind of fits into uh, what the Polygon article is saying, too. So, oh, you know, I should mention this. Um, the title of the article is Five Ways to fix the policing problem, right? 
I'll list the five. Like they listed out pretty explicitly. So the five are Mm -hmm. superheroes could be more mythic. Superheroes could be more complicated. Superheroes could be more progressive. Superheroes could be less violent and all of the above. (laughs) So those are the five (laughs) things, right? Um, But yeah, the, the, uh, again, the intention's great. I think with all these points, I get it. You know, I understand what they're driving at. The one uh, section, though, that was kind of eyebrow raising was superheroes could be less violent. <laughs> and that, that got me thinking a bit, you know. Um, I think the wording was a little off because I think what they're saying is so, some of these stories don't always have to end in a fist fight. I think that's what their message was, right? Um, so that's what made me think of the end of Civil War. Like Civil War, you think it's going to end in this big battle between Cap, Bucky, Iron Man, and these like new winter soldiers, right? That's mm-hmm. what you're made to think. But then you get flipped on your head and Baron Zemo basically is against the Avengers, but he doesn't throw a single punch or shoot a single bullet. He, he pits Iron Man versus Cap, right? So that's the big... Uh, uh, twist, right? Yeah. But it fits in here, right? So, like, what seemingly was going to be like a big brawl ending, a quote unquote violent ending, becomes like a subversion of that, right? So, very much it fits in there. Uh, but yeah, just continuing on that, the reason why I say it's it's worded kind of badly is because um, a lot of this content we've been seeing superhero storytelling is not that violent (laughs) like when i see violent i think you know the punisher (laughs) like rated r stuff right and Mm -hmm. in in the mainstream we don't see superhero rated r violence much at all you know in fact now that marvel netflix is gone like it's hardly there at all period right Mm -hmm. um so when they say it could be less violent like what i don't think so i mean again i think it was missed directed um what they said is what they're trying to say is like they don't always have to end in a fight um but you know maybe this is just me but i think superhero stories could be more violent <laughs> you know um it goes back to what, what they're kind of saying superheroes could be more complicated there can be different kinds of superhero stories and yeah by just eliminating violent superhero stories i think you're missing out you know you're you're like you're um excluding some potentially really compelling storytelling right so Mm -hmm. i I definitely think we can see more violence uh with superheroes Uh, but with the the um their main point like okay maybe these stories don't always have to end in a fight i kind of get that you know um it makes me think of uh, a conversation we had about Spider-Man Homecoming. Like I had mentioned that like when I first saw Spider-Man Homecoming, I was a little lukewarm on it. First off, the characters were like vastly different than previous Spider-Man movies, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, that, was, that was my own <laughs> hill to climb. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I eventually, you know, came to embrace the characters more. But you know, in addition to that, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way that there wasn't like any major like 
Spider-Man versus Spider-Man villain showdown battle, you know, um, there, I was disappointed in the action basically. Right. Um, but then what I kind of learned to love about the movie was that, well, Spider-Man isn't just about beating up bad guys. He's about saving the innocent. Right. So like I called out that scene in Washington DC where he saves his friend in the elevator shaft, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, really exciting scene, really spectacularly shot. Um, and that is in line with what they're saying, right? You know, a good superhero story doesn't have to end in a fist fight, right? It could end in um, a superhero saving the innocent. That can be very compelling and, and fun storytelling, right? And even the end of the movie, yes, it was a battle between Spider-Man and the Vulture, but even then it was a bit of a subversion of a typical superhero supervillain mm-hmm. battle, right? Because um, first off, the vulture was very relatable and, you know, you really kind of felt for him, right? He was just trying to protect his family and stuff. Um, and it wasn't really like a fight, you know, in the end, Spider-Man saved the vulture from death, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the fight wasn't the point of it. It was more the human side of it right yeah uh, so yeah in a way uh, i think um yeah I'm, I'm warming up to some of these ideas uh about okay you know i love a good fight for sure uh, i will to the day i die but um we can tell these stories in different ways superheroes can can solve problems in different ways than just fighting right Uh, One of the articles mentions the end of Dr. Strange. That's a good example too, right? Where um, Dr. Strange uses um, the time stone to best his opponent, right? Not throwing a single punch, not zapping him with a lightning bolt or something, right? So that fits right in with this too. Yeah. One one example that came to mind was Daredevil, I guess, like Matt Murdock. He's always, you know, I feel like he tries to do his job as a lawyer and like try to put people behind the bars. Cause yeah, in season one, he puts Kingpin in jail and stuff. And in season three, you know, Kingpin tries to draw him out and tries to kill him. Even though I will say that's, that scene was totally violent, but cool. Um, but at the end of the day, Daredevil still wants to keep his morals and, be like, no, like, I'm going to let the law and the people decide what's going to happen to you. And that's the solution to keeping Kingpin away for him. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, the Daredevil series is really good on touching upon this kind of stuff too, right? Yeah. The inadequacies of the criminal justice system, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it made for compelling TV. You know, there's some realness there, right? Um, You know, past on-screen portrayals of the Punisher were a bit cartoonish, but the John Barenthal Punisher in this show was very real. You know, he felt like a real person and uh, he felt like someone who could exist in real life, right? So that's an interesting topic too, because one of the quote unquote ways to fix the policing problem uh, is superheroes could be more mythic 
that was kind of an interesting point too. So they cited uh, movies like Thor Ragnarok, right? Where the the content is so fantastical that it it becomes less problematic, right? Because yeah. it's kind of otherworldly. I don't know about that. <laughs> what are your thoughts when you read that part? I I I think for me, what I got from it was like it meant like superheroes should be like larger than life kind of have like larger than life stories where it's like too good to be true like like thor superman wonder woman um Mm -hmm. so it's like i feel like it meant more something like let's let's have superheroes be way more on the comic side you know if like like two words are almost not like relatable i guess you know that's how I got it, got at it. But I was like, mm-hmm. it makes sense to make it more, like have, keep it more in the entertaining base. But at the same time, like that's not what makes like a superhero um, like successful, like Spider-Man or um, Daredevil or even... Miss Marvel, you know, it's like that relationship mm-hmm. that makes superheroes um, powerful. Yeah. So yeah, I felt the same way. You know, yeah. when I read that, I was thinking, man, like some of these points that they're driving at, you know, it just like, I would rather not see that so much. You know, yeah. exactly what you're saying. If if superheroes became more mythic, then to me, and I know a lot of people, they become less relatable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like these two points in particular, superheroes could be more mythic, superheroes could be less violent. So in both cases, it seems like they're, sh- they're recommending that these stories shy away from realism, yeah. you know? to be less gritty, to be less uh, raw, right? But man, like when I, when I watch these movies and TV shows and yes, read the comics, you know, I want to feel something, right? So I, wanna, I want to be able to relate to the characters in the story. I want to feel the loss of someone dying you know like uncle ben dying or something you know mm-hmm. um you know i don't want it to be like all rainbows and unicorns and you know like you said characters like superman and wonder woman you know yeah um so yeah i mean that we're, we're highlighting more areas where we're finding problems with some some of the, the writing here yeah but um you know i think we're we're on the same wavelength uh, on a lot of these points. Yeah. Like I said, like when I said in the beginning, this, this topic about like reexamining heroes in this protest era, it's, it's very complicated. It's very gray. There's like no, like, I don't know if my, it's like my nostalgia talking or anything, but I just don't think there's like a right or wrong answer to the best way to move forward in um, re-examining how heroes are being portrayed, you know? Yeah. And I agree. 
I'm with you. And I also think that's a good thing that there is no absolute right or wrong answer. If there, if you do have an absolute right or wrong answer, I think that's a problem because that gets into that black and white territory, absolute correct or absolute incorrect, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's where you get more and more divisive and just, it's it, it's a problem it's a problem that's when, you know yeah that's when like that's called toxic fandom stuff yes stuff. Exactly. exactly yeah <laughs> yeah okay so um yeah you know i think it's you know we've been kind of going on and on a bit maybe it's time to get to like bottom line type stuff mm-hmm. but um I will reiterate that both articles do shed light on an important and timely issue. And they both champion diversity, inclusion, and representation in superhero storytelling, which mm-hmm. is great. You know, I don't think there's any denying that. And myself, I do support defunding the police. I do support Black Lives Matter. I do support the protests. And yeah, hell yeah, I'm absolutely all about diversity and inclusion, particularly in superheroes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we touched upon this earlier, but this whole, this is good and this is bad, you know, absolute black versus absolute white, cancel culture, if you will, that's uh that's a problem i think and um maybe we can talk about that a little bit i mean we're we're uh we're traveling into some dangerous territory with cancel culture but it i think it's related to what we're talking about right yeah kind of so, i mean that's kind of a like a hot button topic right now cancel culture uh-huh. interestingly it's something that both President Trump and President Obama are against. So imagine that, (laughs) they agree on something. (laughs) Uh, They're both against cancel culture, but that's not to say that everyone is against cancel culture. There are a lot of uh, younger folks in this country who are down with it. Um, So maybe we can talk about that a bit. First off, what is cancel culture? What is what, what do you think of when you hear that term? Cancel culture is like something like um, something that kind of like I feel like offends somebody for some reason, um, and you're just like, let's not take part of it. Let's boycott it. Let's unsubscribe um, something to make it irrelevant. You know, yeah. um, I guess like. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the best example, I guess. I guess the best for me, the best thing I could think of is like someone like Scarlett Johansson when she like did the whole um, yellow facing of her role in Ghost in the Shell and people were like, cancel Scarlett Johansson. Like, don't watch any of her movies. Don't support her any yeah. of her stuff or anything like that because she's like, she took part in this project where she, um, 
it was wrong of her to do in the role should have been given to an Asian actress, but her as a white woman still took part of it. So it's like, don't support her anymore or anything like that. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, it's not the strong example as I have for, I think like other stuff, but I, that's the strongest thing. I could it, think. It's so common these days. That it's hard to yeah. think of just one. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think we get the gist there and, um, yeah, I think that cancel culture isn't like absolutely problematic. I think it just can be a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I can definitely think of some cases where it was a good thing, you know? Um, you know, the, the, the example you brought up, Scarlett Johansson, um, people being aware of the uh, cultural insensitivity of the Ghost in a Shell movie. Mm-hmm. Good, that's a good thing, you know? And um, if there are some moviegoers out there who think twice about uh, supporting that sort of thing, then that's a victory, you know? That, that's great. Uh, other examples, I, you know, a big one I thought of for cancel culture is the mute R Kelly movement. And, um, Oh yeah. yeah. You know, that was a big one. one, Right. And, um, absolutely. I I think a lot of good has come from that, you know, um, Mm -hmm. the, the victims of R Kelly have been given a voice and, um, a lot of light has been shed on, this kind of behavior, which is not isolated to just one person, right? Um, you know, speaking of this whole uh, um, police canceling stuff we've seen recently, uh, mm-hmm. the cancellation of the long-running show Cops, that's gotten a lot of uh, publicity. And, you know, I think that's a good one too. You know, that, yeah. that show is extremely problematic and uh, to have it off the airwaves probably a good thing you know yeah um so there are certainly cases where you know cancel culture has been good again this is just my opinion right one uh one fan's opinion on things uh but i will say this you know um cancel culture can be can be bad can be definitely bad um, you know, I mentioned Barack Obama is against cancel culture, you know. Um, he says that cancel culture is not activism. So that's a pretty important statement, right? Because I think a lot of people on social media have that attitude, right? Like, I'm an activist. I'm going to cancel the fuck out of these problematic pieces of media right um and yes like i said a lot of these movements are are good and important but a lot are bullshit i think you know um you know i think you had mentioned to me before about the show paw patrol this kid yeah. cartoon right, right so somehow paw patrol got in the conversation uh, with all this 
Black Lives Matter, George Floyd outrage. Um, and I guess at some point someone called for the cancellation of Paw Patrol. <laughs> I, I, just, I laugh because it is so ridiculous, you know? Um, so, uh, that, okay, that's a good comparison, right? The show Cops versus the show Paw Patrol, right? So like I said, I understand wanting to, needing to cancel the show Cops. I mean, it's a long running show and the media image of young black men is forever tarnished because of this one television show. You know, it had a, a huge, terrible impact on the world, mm -hmm. really, you know? Um, you know, we could go on and on about that. But, and then on the other side of the coin, there's Paw Patrol. So have you ever seen Paw Patrol for Furio? I, yeah, I haven't. I've just seen like banners and right. posters, but I've never actually watched it. Well, you have no reason to because you're not five years old and you don't <laughs> have a five-year-old kid. But uh -huh. I have seen Paw Patrol because I do have a young child. Um, my son is six years old now, and and at six years old, he's already kind of past Paw Patrol, okay? That's how <laughs> much of a kiddie show this is, right? So it's basically a cartoon that has dog heroes in it. And the dog heroes each have a different theme. There's a firefighter dog named, named Marshall. There's a construction worker dog named Rubble. And yes, there is a police officer dog named Chase. And his catchphrase is, Chase is on the case. And you know, this is the type of, this is the level of entertainment I'm talking about here. It's for like preschool kids, basically, right? And, um, you know, it's very, I guess, wholesome entertainment, you know? Um, but somebody at some point called for the cancellation of Paw Patrol because it glorifies the police. And <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm still scratching my head over this one. Um, you know, I'm already struggling with the idea that superhero stories are glorifying the police. So it's a big stretch for me to think that Paw Patrol is a glorification of police. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, more than that, I think it's a little bit dangerous, too, because, look, you know, I, I keep bringing up divisiveness. And um, the fact that someone brought up canceling Paw Patrol, I, I think it was just some random person on Twitter. The fact that that happened, it's become weaponized by Republicans. You know, the, the press set secretary has mentioned this. She mentioned the cancellation of Paw Patrol. Oh yeah, I, right? I think I remember, it, yeah. I mean, she lied. <laughs> the the uh -huh. show is not canceled, by the way. It was just a mention, like someone uh -huh. wants to get it canceled, but mm -hmm. that's a whole nother conversation. But this is what I'm driving at. You know, when ridiculous stuff like this comes up, it is just fuel to the fire, man. You know, the alt-right is gonna, is gonna use it. They're gonna weaponize it. They're going to bring up how ridiculous 
these leftists are, right? They're calling for the cancellation of a kid's TV show that has nothing to do with police brutality. Like how insane are these people, right? And um, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. It's, it's not helping us, man. And like, you know, like, like I'm saying, when I say us, I'm thinking like progressive minded folks, right? Who are trying to get real change done. And when we're spending our time and effort on this kind of nonsense, it's not good. It's not good. You understand where I'm getting at there? Yeah. So a little bit more adding to that. I would add too that, uh, you know, I want to, I want to get into this idea of superhero storytelling, glorifying the police. You know, to me, it's kind of the main bottom line here. You know, again, I'm totally all about an advocate the suggestions are making, you know, have more black superheroes in this story. Hell yeah, you know, diversity, all this stuff, absolutely. But, you know, the underlying question to both of these articles is, do superhero stories lead to the glorification of police? So before I give my take, what do you think about that question? I really think that's the bottom line from these two articles. Do superheroes give glorification to police? Well, maybe more specifically, does the fact that the mainstream media consumer like us, uh -huh. the fact that we're being inundated by these stories day after day, movie uh -huh. after movie, show after show, do you think that leads to a mindset of glorifying the police. I don't think so. I yeah, I don't like there. Is, I mean, there's the idea that we need like a protector and stuff, but not necessarily. I don't think it's the police. You know, like if you look at some superheroes like Batman, Spider Man, um, the Punisher, they don't agree with the police. They don't work with them. The police are against them. They call Spider-Man a menace. Gotham Police Department wants to arrest Batman, said Commissioner Gordon. Um, so I feel like there's like this idea that we do need a protector, a savior, you know, that, that can help us out from fighting evil, you know? I don't know what that is, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the police, you know? Yeah. It yeah, could, I'm with you. Yeah, nowadays, it's more like a doctor or nurse, I, see, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you. I, I don't think so either. You know, I thought back a bit about what we mentioned before. We, we talked about the Joker movie a bit. You know, and this idea of, oh, with this movie coming out, it's very extreme, it's very edgy, it's, it's uh, in your face, you know. Mm -hmm. um, will this movie lead to more mass shootings, you know, 
you know, with all that's going on in 2020, uh, these mass shooters have kind of, kind of fallen to the wayside a bit, but you know, like in the year 2019, this was like a huge topic of conversation, right? Yeah. So yeah, so when the Joker movie come out, came out, a lot of people were saying, oh shit, you know, like this looks like a good movie, but are people going to want to mimic the Joker yeah. and kill people, right? Um, and I'll say it now, you know, absolutely not. It's what I said back then too. Like, I, I don't think the Joker movie has anything to do with any of that. You know, it, it kind of goes back to um, what I said before, you know, uh, the, the Columbine incident where those kids shot up the school. Mm-hmm. Um, it was discovered that they played video games and listened to heavy metal music right and all of a sudden video games and heavy metal music were demonized right and uh, that was a long time ago and you know but you know when when i was younger and that that news came out even then i was like no man like are you kidding me so same thing with the joker movie that that kind of media is not leading to mass shootings and same thing here like with all these superhero movies, is that leading to people glorifying the police? Like, I don't think so, man. Like, you're telling me that if you take out a fight scene from an, an Avengers movie, that all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, you know what? The police aren't quite what I thought they, they were. You know, I should I should rethink my stance on the police. They're they're not all good guys. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, I I paint a very like simple picture, and it's definitely more complicated than that. Like we've been saying, but essentially, that's what these articles are driving at, right? That time and again, these battles between good and evil, right versus wrong. It's, leaving, it's leading us to this idea, you know, we need protectors. The cops are good. They're here to guard us. We need police, you know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see it, man. I, I just don't see it. I, I do not see it. And I think, well, okay, so going back to cancel culture, right? It's like, what if this was deemed to be a thing, you know, superheroes are leading to the glorification of police. And what we're seeing with cop media starts to happen with superhero media, right? Um, what then? Like the example I bring, it's kind of, uh, the, the example I brought up, it's a little, a little extreme, right? Like what if in an Avengers movie, like the climactic battle at the end is not a fight, you know, like, okay, this is this is super extreme, but like, imagine <laughs> the end of Endgame when Cap says, "Avengers assemble." We got this army of heroes on the left, and Thanos' army on the right, and they're about to get down. Right? Everyone's hyped up, ready for an epic battle. What if Cap and Thanos like got face to face, and then all of a sudden, the like 
you know, let's just talk it out. And they just had a conversation and both sides just went their separate ways and it was a peaceful ending and no one died, right? <laughs> like, I mean, is that, <laughs> what do you think about something like that? I mean, it would be, yeah, really anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, it's, it's a pretty ridiculous example and kind of a silly example, but it's kind of what I'm driving at, right? It's, it, it's, it seems very ridiculous to me to be going after this particular idea, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like, the, the battle of good versus evil to protect the innocent is not new. It's, and it's not specific to superhero stories, right? This goes to storytelling since the beginning of time, right? You know, mm-hmm. Star Wars is this story, right? And Star Wars is not a new thing. And when it came out in the late 70s, this type of story was not a new thing, right? Uh, so, and we're, go- we're always going to have stories of good versus evil and the protecting of the innocent. So it's here to stay. And like, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, and um, we haven't even gotten into the the fun of it, you know, the entertainment side of things. You know, um, I think it is, it is important that we talk through this fairly seriously and not gotten into the entertainment side. But um, yeah, like like we said at the very beginning, that's kind of where we're coming from. We're We're like fandom based and when we talk about this stuff, we're talking about it because we love it and we uh, have a great time reading comics, watching these movies and watching these shows, right? So that's, there's a, there's a fear there too, that if you start tinkering with this Mm -hmm. stuff too much, then you kind of suck the fun out of it. You know, like I kind of alluded to that earlier when, uh, when there is a suggestion to make superheroes uh, more mythic and less violent, right? It, it, it makes them less relatable. And, um, you know, like that, that, to me, the best shit that has come out of superhero storytelling more recently is the stuff that I can really relate to and that I can feel, you know, when, when I, when I, uh, read a good comic book story or watch a great superhero movie like i feel it yeah, you know uh, it's, it's not it's not just some like um i bring this up a lot in the before but you know popcorn entertainment just something just sort of past the time right you know i'm, I'm in there for real right i am analyzing the characters and i'm putting myself in their shoes and um yeah, it's a visceral experience, you know, and um, a lot of the suggestions that are made with these articles are like, could tamper with that, that experience, mm-hmm. you know, so I don't want to see that, you know, if so, I mean, I'm kind of going on and on here, but just one more point I want to make with uh, cancel culture. So with cancel culture, there are 
is the benefit of the removing of problematic material, right? So that's a good thing. But if the world of cancel culture has that and the stifling of countless storytellers and creators and filmmakers and comic writers, comic illustrators, that's not a world I want to live in, you know? It's, uh, it's almost like having the reverse effect. You know, what we want to see is diversity and representation, not only in, you know, the cast of a movie, but in the stories that we read, right? The yeah. stories that we see. And if you're, if you're cate categorically eliminating certain types of storytelling, then you're losing that diversity, right? It's like, oh, mm -hmm. we're not doing violence in superhero movies anymore. We're taking that out. Well, instantly you've lost like a whole bunch of types of stories you could have told. And if you're saying we're only doing mythic superheroes from now on, you know, I mean, freaking Spider-Man is gone, right? He's gone. And uh, like, like I said, that's not a world I want to live in. Yeah. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, definitely agree with what you said. Just it's it's a uh, you can't have one without the other. I guess you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if we have any big answers, <laughs> but do you have any thoughts about like like how should we? Move, move forward you know like we're, <laughs> again we're kind of like going after these articles it's like no 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 you know uh well then I mean, if no then what right then what yeah what's the answer um yeah definitely diversity <laughs> diversity is definitely one like i want to see characters like uh falcon be the new captain america i guess miss marvel um I want to see more representation of like race, sex, sexual orientation, all that stuff. Uh, but moving forward, how do we we re-examine these superheroes? That's that's a hard question that I feel like doesn't have an answer. But um, I don't know. I guess the best way to do it is just like. Uh, like have heroes that you just want to make them relatable and have feelings, you know, like understand like what they did is wrong. What, whether or not they're accountable, I guess, by the law or not, but understand like, you know, like, like I said, like the one example I had in, in the beginning was like Scarlet Witch in Civil War. Like she knew what she did was wrong. Like she kind of was like, I'm dangerous. I'm, I, I don't know how to control my power. Like, you know, there was still like the whole like topic about like whether or not she was going to get locked up. But at the end of the day, she knew what she did was wrong and she felt guilty about it, you know? So it's like, I guess that's the best way to handle it. Like understand that heroes are not perfect. They're imp they're human like us with extraordinary, extraordinary gifts, but they 
have flaws, they make mistakes, they have feelings that I think are valid and stuff. So I think those are the kind of stories that need to be told, not someone like Superman who can just do whatever the hell he wants and um, do it because he thinks it's right or whatever. You know, I don't know. But that's my big take, I guess. That's my answer. Cool. Yeah. I mean, we keep bringing up Civil War, but I think that's a good point. You know, the fact that the superheroes in the movie, at least early on in the movie, they they do a bit of a double take. You know, they look back on what they've done. Yeah. And they kind of question themselves, right? And Tony Stark explicitly calls them out, right? Like, while, while we were kicking ass, you know, people were dying, <laughs> You know, and we just left, right? And they revisited the events of Avengers 1, Avengers 2, Winter Soldier. And like, it was kind of cool to paint that picture, right? So when we all saw these movies, it was like, yay, go Avengers, right? But then we see it in a different light, you know? There are consequences to all this destruction, right? Yeah. And um, what they were doing for, I don't know, the greater good, there were actually a lot of like consequences to their actions. Right. So yeah, you know, more of that for sure. And um, yeah, I think there, there's a lot of, there are a lot of examples, you know, like, you know, the, the way that the black Panther movie unfolded was pretty cool. You know, I mean, obviously a huge win, on the represent representation side, um, but to make the Killmonger character so complex, I mean that goes along with what the article said about uh, superheroes could be more complicated, right? That was a complicated character. That was not a cookie cutter villain, right? Yeah. Uh, so definitely more of that. And um, oh, you know what? I wanted to revisit cancel culture just one more time because I I feel like I kind of shit all over it and said it was bullshit. Um, But like I said, there are positives to it. And on the other side of the coin, I mentioned there are a lot of young folks in this country who advocate cancel culture, and they have a pretty strong point here. There are a lot of underrepresented and marginalized people who have no power. And the only thing that they can do is contribute to canceling stuff like having their voices heard on social media, right? Uh, so where some might feel like, well, there are a lot of things you can do. So why just spend all your time canceling shit? Like what a waste of time. Well, like I said, some of this stuff is a waste of time, e.g. Paw Patrol, you know? Um, but um, I think it's important to understand a lot of folks have no other voice. This is all they can do. Uh, So, you know, when Barack Obama says, cancel culture is not activism, um, I get that. I'm down with that message, but for a lot of people, it's their only method of activism. That's their only path to righting wrongs. Uh, So, you know, I think it's important to understand that point of view. Um, I think folks can be a little more careful about it, 
and more thoughtful about it. Uh, but uh, it's not all bad. You know, I think a lot of great things can be done and have been done through the canceling of stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, a little devil's advocate there. I thought it's important to, to mention the other side of things too, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we, we got through a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should lighten things up a bit. You know, that was, that was pretty heavy. Pretty heavy. Yeah. I mean, heavy, so, but I guess like relevant. Oh, yeah. oh for sure. Important. Really yeah, it's, it's an important yeah. conversation right now. Uh -huh. it's, a, yeah. it's a little way that the geek fandom can be involved in their own little way with all the protests going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like we should end on a, a slightly lighter note. I just, <laughs> I just feel like it's been too heavy. Uh -huh. So, um, hey, how about this? You know, um, we started off by kind of recapping our, our, our quarantine days. Mm -hmm. Like um, we, we mentioned a few highlights, but anything specific you've uh, read or seen you wanted to call out like, um, like in the comic geek vein? Yes. I was actually going to tell you that I was yeah, going to say that I was, I was going to say since we've been both reading and watching a lot of stuff, if there's anything you recommend for me, I would say, the Old Guard on Netflix. Have you heard that one? I did see that. Yeah, that was pretty that, cool. That one yeah. was cool. Yeah, I really recommend it. I was, I was going to order the comic right after I watched the movie, but it was all sold out everywhere, like on Amazon. And oh, wow. I actually went on Cape and Cal Comics to see if I can order it, and they had it. But for some reason, I got cold feet, so I was like, oh, if I... Uh, I'll wait till morning. If they have it by morning, I'll definitely order it. Morning came, it was sold out. Oh, wow. Um, and they, yeah, I check on like eBay and stuff. It's like being sold on eBay for like double or triple the face value. And I'm like, uh, I'll just wait until it restocks or something. But there you go. watch Old Guard. That one was a really good movie. I really liked it. I was a big fan. Cool. Yeah, on my end, yeah, I found myself revisiting a lot of old stuff like uh -huh. i mean let's be honest the world right now is a little dark and gloomy <laughs> uh, -huh. uh so i found i found myself going going back you know um i i do i to be honest with tv and movies i've watched so many tv shows and movies i just it's all a jumble in my brain you know oh my gosh yeah <laughs> right i can't even like think of all the stuff i've watched it's it's a lot uh but for comics i can i can remember some um but yeah it's a, it's in that vein i've revisited a lot of past stuff you know um, some of my favorite comic series I've I've reread, so those include uh, Sin City. I read some Sin City again, long long ago. The original Watchmen series I read again. You've re oh my gosh, I still haven't finished the <laughs> copy. You gave me Watchmen, right? For 
I didn't, but you did tell me that you you got the original graphic novel, right? I did, and I have not finished it. <laughs> I started reading it on my 25th birthday last year. Yeah. I probably finished like 40% of it, and I still have not finished it. And I told myself that I was going to finish it before watching the show. Oh, right. Once it became available on Hulu, I was just like, I'm going to watch this show. <laughs> really good. <laughs> Well, that might be a good discussion in the future. Finish yeah. the graphic novel, and we, we can talk about it. Yeah, I did uh, reread it recently, and it it's still great. Still really holds up. Um, and you know, um, it made me think a bit about uh, what's going on right now. Um, this might be a conversation for a future episode, but you know, the whole thing about uh, the use of the Punisher skull, you know, that's been uh, hotly debated <laughs> recently. Um, and it, it, uh, it brought up the idea of, uh, you know, a lot of what we've been talking about, like, yeah. you know, what are superheroes? Are they just, you know, uh, powerized police, you know? Yeah. And uh, the question of, oh, is the Punisher a problematic police figure mm-hmm. has come up, right? And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot of bit, a lot about this topic today, so no need to go too much more into it. But, you know, I, I think both of us are kind of in the camp of, no, <laughs> the Punisher is not the police. He's, he exists because the police is a failure, right? Yeah. Um, but um, interestingly... Um, there are characters in the Watchmen original series that I feel like can be uh, compared to uh, current day police. Yeah. So th- those characters are Rorschach and the comedian, um, very extreme characters. And a lot of their behavior in the original Watchmen series parallels uh, police oppression that we are seeing today. So I tried to go lighter and now I'm going back to a dark place, but, <laughs> but, but uh, I thought I'd call that out, especially since you haven't finished uh, the graphic novel. It might be an interesting uh, uh, way to shed some light on those characters, right? You know, different pers- a different perspective as you're yeah. reading it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a, uh, that might be a good one to discuss mm-hmm. uh, after, after you're finally done with that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. Any uh, last thoughts there, Preferio? It's good to be back and letting all this out. I swear, I was like keeping all this, like all these like thoughts bottled in, because nobody would understand my references of like Sokovia chords and <laughs> boys and all this stuff. So it's good to like be able to talk with someone who understands me. <laughs> Same here. Same here. <laughs> if for no one else, this podcast is for the two of us to, to vent, <laughs> right? So uh, we're here for each other, right? Yeah. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Perfurio.